Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And if you missed last week's episode, we dug into the offensive side of the football. Positions, figureheads, positional groups, the five most important for Washington to reach their performance ceiling on offense this year. It's where, look, guys, look, 18.9 points per game last year is a figure that hopefully is posted all around Commanders Park out in Ashburn as far as what this team has to be to reach their overall goals as a team. 18.9 is not going to cut it. They have to be a team that has to improve on offense this year. And obviously with Sam Howell, Eric Bieniemy, the additions they made in the backfield, and obviously along that front five, this team has to be better. So if you missed last week's episode, you can always just tune back and check out, again, the five most important figureheads, positional groups, and guys individually for Washington to reach their success on offense. But today... Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking defense. The guys that crack pads, the guys that set the tone. From Deron Payne and John Allen in the middle of the front four, all the way to guys in the back end like Cam Curl and Percy Butler and guys like Derek Forrest. Guys, this is a group overall last year that was good. I know when you look at the defensive side of the ball, it doesn't really move the needle for a ton of people because offenses get all of the attention. Because what? Most points wins, and that's always how football has been. But defensively, in Jack Del Rio's group last year, I know a lot of you out there have been right on, on the seesaw with Jack Del Rio. Does he belong in D.C.? Does he not belong in D.C.? Is he over the hill from his days back when he was leading Jacksonville as their head coach? But last year, 2022's perspective, Washington finished in the top 10 in points and yards allowed among all 32 teams. Now, from a sacks perspective, they were 12th. In football, they were third in the NFC East. Philly led the league, broke a record, by the way, in regular season sacks. Dallas was top five as well, but Washington was 12th. So they're top half of the league in sacks, but what draws my eye is the interceptions. And we'll get into that a little bit as far as where I have these corners on my top five most important. But for me, nine picks is not enough. And you got to get guys to get the ball back to your offense. And that's why we saw picks in the first and second round this year, and a guy like Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State, and of course, Quan Martin to play that nickel out of Illinois. But for me, folks, the most important player for Washington's defense moving into 2023, someone that has a massive spotlight on their game, is Chase Young. And I really don't think that there is another individual on this defense that the expectations right now have to be met and really exceeded at an immense amount for him to be back moving into 2024. Because 2020 in Defensive Rookie of the Year, after being the second overall pick during the COVID draft, was, it seems, guys, like it was 5, 10, 15 years ago. It just seems like it was so long ago. But you look at what Chase has done since then, and since the ACL, and playing the last month of the season last year when he really wasn't 100%, We know what number 99 offers as a leader in the locker room and on the sideline. We saw it consistently. You all know the famous Heineke pointing to his jersey and the playoff game against Tampa Bay after diving to the pylon. All of that stuff is great. But at the end of the day, 
It's what you do within the hashes. And the NFL as a whole operates on a what have you done for me lately mantra. And when it comes to Chase Young, again, the 2020 Defensive Rookie of the Year, the number two overall pick, the highly touted athlete out of the Ohio State University, he is someone to where the expectations are as lofty as a Defensive Player of the Year type of athlete. That's what he was drafted to be, to pair with guys like Montez Sweat and Deron Payne and John Allen. We know what we're going to get from 93 and 94 because we've seen it since John was drafted in 2017 and Deron the year following. Those guys have been paid handsomely these last few off seasons to be back in the burgundy and gold and everything does start with them and we will get to them in a little bit. But the number one most important guy for Washington to reach their performance ceiling this year starts with number 99 and his impact and his ability to quickly get rid of any hiccups or rust that he has at five tech in getting after the passer. Is he perfect technically as an edge rusher with a pass rush repertoire? Absolutely not. He is someone that consistently, both at Ohio State in his final year in Columbus and his first few years in Washington, wanted to win to the outside. I want to see him win with power more. I want to see him jump to the inside. I want to see him club and rip and swim. I want to see him do more things from a pass rush repertoire perspective for him to reach that next level. A guy that is expected to have not just six, seven, eight sacks a year. That's fine numbers for a guy like James Smith-Williams or a guy that they drafted this year in KJ Henry as far as a depth rotational piece. But you're a guy is expected to challenge guys like Nick Bosa, like Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett, 11, 12, more or more sacks a year. That is the expectation for Chase Young. For me personally, and obviously for him himself, so we know we, you guys out there know the type of mentality that Chase Young carries, the type of man that he is as far as the leader that he wants to be, again, inside the locker room and when he's strapped up. But, I mean, what really is the ceiling this year? What's the floor for to say, I'm satisfied with Chase Young this year? For me, it is at least eight and a half, nine and a half sacks to bring him back next year because Montez was great in 2022. He was. He was dominant at times. Top of the NFC in pressures, really, really good. I mean, you look at that Tennessee game, and he was looked like a defensive player of the year candidate. It was unbelievable what we got from 90 all of last year. And it was great to see. But how many damn years did it take him to do that? As a first-round pick, after trading back in when the team drafted Dwayne Haskins years ago, to get him later in the first round. So with Chase being that guy, is he going to be that guy? Or does he want to be elsewhere? I think he wants to be in Washington along that dynamic, explosive, potentially overwhelmingly dominant front four. But he is, for me, the most important athlete on Washington's defense if they want to reach that next step as a defense. And for him individually to become not just a highly touted guy in the NFC East, up there with the guys like Hassan Reddick and what we've seen with Josh Sweat produce in Philadelphia or guys in Dallas like Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. For him to become that level of athlete, you cannot have enough guys that get after the passer. I'm not asking Chase Young to continuously chase down running backs or get out on receivers and screen plays in the flat areas of the defense. We've seen him do that because that's his athletic profile. But I need to see him get after the damn quarterback and put the guy in the damn dirt. That's what I want to see this year from Chase Young. Sacks aren't everything. 
Ladies and gentlemen, they aren't. But they're about pressures. They're about hurries. They're about QB hits, batted passes. He can do all of those things for you. But now it's just about execution and reaching 100% health, which we have not seen from him prior to the ACL, really, in 2020. So my number one most important guy for Washington's defensive ceiling this year is number 99, and that is Chase Young. Next, we're going to take a step back to the third level of the defense. And it's not just one guy. It is the entire CB's room. We are in 2023 where teams want to sling the ball around 40 plus times a game. You look around the NFC East, you know that the Philadelphia Eagles and the weapons they have, they're going to sling it around. You look at Dallas, you know that they want Dak Prescott to sit in the pocket and sling it to guys like C.D. Lamb, like Michael Gallup, even though he has not reached expectations since coming back from injury. There's a reason why they drafted a guy like Luke Schoonmaker to replace a Dalton Schultz, who's now in Houston. And they brought in a guy like Brandon Cooks to play both in the slot and on the outside. You need guys to counter that. And you need ball hawks. And you need guys that can also cover if they're not getting PBUs, if they're not tipping balls in the air for Cam Curl to come over the top and pick it off. So for me, it's not just Emmanuel, it's not just Quan, it's not just Kendall Fuller or Benjamin St. Juiced or guys from a depth perspective like Danny Johnson. It is the entire CB's room, whether you're playing at the nickel, whether you're playing the outside, whether you're in man or whether you are in zone, this corner's room has to be better. It just has to be better. I remain interested to see how this team aligns in week one. Is it going to be Benjamin St. Juice on the outside? Is he going to be inside? Where does Kendall slot in? Because right now, there could be a, a lot of rotation with Forbes, Martin, Fuller, and St. Juice. Your top four guys. Where do those guys slot? And that's fine for me from an exotic looks perspective. And I think you look at what Washington has done in OTAs and mandatory minicamp as far as how these guys have learned different spots in Jack Del Rio's defense with so many new faces. I mean, you look back to the secondary, right? Bobby McCain is not there anymore. Percy Butler's going to have a heavier role. You got two rookies that will most likely start for you from week one when the Arizona Cardinals come into town. Now, there is no more DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona, but they still have NFL weapons, right? Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore. They drafted Michael Wilson out of Stanford. These guys can play. It's the NFL. So where are these guys ultimately going to slot? For me, Emmanuel's on the outside, absolutely, and Benjamin St. Juice is starting opposite. You guys know how I feel about Benjamin. He sits, he can live on the outside, and I think he can do that well. Now it just remains to be seen what they do with Kendall Fuller, inside-out versatility, and of course, Quan Martin. Do you want to play him in that press man at the line of scrimmage at nickel? Do you want to play him some off zone? Do you want to play him in that low hole as a safety? What we saw with Derek Forrest, that versatility he has. We saw that at Illinois, saw it down at the senior bowl. Quan has that versatility and the athletic profile to fit what Washington wants to do defensively. Now, again, it's just where they ultimately align against whatever personnel packages they face. If a team shows that base 11 personnel, so one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers, I expect the top three corners on the field for me to be Forbes, St. Just, and Quan Martin. That's me. But you usually don't play with just three DBs in the field. You usually have four. So who's the next guy? It is Kendall Fuller. But where does he align? Are you comfortable with him playing on the outside? I think he showed in spurts the last few years. He can. But then there's spurts. Turn on the Lions game against Amon St. Brown, where you, you just consistently gets burnt on guys that have a top-end burst, a guys that can run every single route in the route tree, guys that understand how to stack and understand how to separate and are more physical. Now, I'm not saying you have to be a 6'2", 6'3", receiver to be physical, but Kendall Fuller, at times, I mean, him in the run game, Look, he's had some wear and tear in the tires now. He's not 24, 25 years old anymore. He's not 35 by any means, 
but it just remains to be seen where he lines and how Washington and how Jack Del Rio uses all these corners, these really these top four, every single week against every single different personnel grouping that every single offense will throw at them every single week. Because we know, just like the offensive side of the ball facing defenses, offenses tailor and adjust their skill sets to the defenses that they face. So I like Washington's corners. I do. I'm so excited to see Emmanuel Forbes. I'm so excited to see Quan Martin. It's a huge year for Benjamin St. Jude. He's got to stay healthy. It is year three. Kendall Fuller's there. Christian Holmes is a guy they drafted again out of Oklahoma State in 2022. A lot of special teams reps last year. Played against Atlanta. Played against New York and got the start was okay in those matchups, was really good against Atlanta, working downhill in the run game and that sloppy, messy game at FedEx Field. Looking forward to him taking that next step in his sophomore season. But overall, the corners, the corners, the corners are so important for Washington's success this year. So that is the number two spot. Now we'll move up a level. So the number three most important, it is one individual. You could say it was an entire group, but I'm going to focus on one individual, and that is Cody Barton at the middle of this defense because I've told you guys before and if you take a look around the NFL all of the league's most successful defenses start with the core the lungs of your defense take a look at the impact that TJ Edwards had for Philadelphia specifically last year look at Willie Gay and Nick Bolton in Kansas City then go out west in the NFC right Washington saw them last year with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw it starts at the lungs of your defense. Jamin Davis took steps in year two. How is he going to play in year three? But for Cody Barton coming in and really replacing Cole Holcomb, for me personally, guys, I do like Cody Barton from a player's perspective, what he can offer in this defense. I like him more than what I saw from Cole Holcomb cutting on North Carolina. Tackle machine, I get that. But the limitations in coverage, all of that stuff were really apparent watching number 55 play over the last few years. Love the guy, love the energy he provided, kind of a spunk in the middle of the defense. But when you look at what Cody can offer when he was at Utah and then filling in for KJ Wright last year in Seattle and the ceiling that he has as a young guy with really just a lot of fresh tread on those tires to play the game, I'm interested to see just how how Jack Del Rio deploys these linebackers. Is it going to be, is your base defense going to have Two linebackers on the field. Is it going to be... Because we've seen, again, Derek Forrest come into the box a ton. Where's Khalid Hudson? Is he going to play that hybrid linebacker like he did? Uh, some hybrid linebacker, hybrid safety like he did at Michigan? That jack spot that I always talk about with Khalid? Is that where he's going to be? Is it going to be Cody Barton and Jamin Davis from first and 10 against the Arizona Cardinals when they align at FedEx Field? But Cody for this defense is so important because of what Jack Del Rio asked of his linebackers to do both in filling the A and B gaps in the run and flipping in your hips and finding those landmarks and coverage and understanding what you're looking at and then making the calls as the potential green dot of this defense up to the front four and back to his guys in the middle and of course to the back, the back end with the safeties and corners. It's going to be so important for him. And he's talked about it in his pressers so far this offseason as far as coming in and being that guy, that leader within the defense with the experience that he has and the athleticism and the physicality and just the mature athlete that he is coming out of Utah. Utah is a super underrated program in college football that produces NFL talent every single year. 
And again, when I look at the skill set that Cody Barton can have at the middle of this defense to where if Washington wants to take Jamin Davis off the field and just have one primary quote-unquote linebacker, because if you ask coaches around the league, a lot, a lot will say the league is really moving to a positionless game, a lot like with the NBA, one through five. You don't have a typical point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward center. You have hybrids. You have your stretch fours. You have your wings. You have your three and D defenders that can do a lot of things for you. You have position guys at the five that can guard the one. Now you look at the NFL, you have your linebackers and Cody Barton that can guard tight ends. If you ask him to guard a Tony Pollard out of the backfield on a wheel route. Now, I wouldn't ask a ton to do that, but if you have to, guys have to have the athleticism to do that. That's why you drafted Jamin Davis, to have the athleticism at the second level. You guys have seen the additions that other teams have made over the last few years to get athletic to be multiple in your defensive structure. Guys like Trenton Simpson, now in Baltimore. Drew Sanders, an edge rusher slash coverage guy that's now in Denver, who Washington will see in the first month of the season. Those types of athletes. Now, Cody Barton, comparatively, is not Drew Sanders because that guy, again, will be lined at five tech and stand up on the outside as a wide nine and get after the passer and then cover guys. Cody Barton is going to live at that second level. But just because you're a tackle machine doesn't mean you're a good football player. When you turn on the tape, what do you offer in coverage? You have to be able to cover as a linebacker in 2023. And I think Cody, again, fine with him in the run. He provides that physicality. He's not will, not scared to stick his face in the mud as a linebacker. You cannot be afraid to stick your face in the mud as an NFL linebacker. He's absolutely willing to do that and bring that physical pop at the position. But then he's also comfortable in coverage as to where I really think those 7 to 15-yard area of the defense those tight ends over the middle of the field. You want to run little arrow routes with running backs out of the backfield. Or even you see guy little slots come over the middle of the field on crossers. He'll be able to turn his head, find that spot in coverage, those soft spots in zone, and pick up guys that are coming across his face and does a really nice job of that from what I've seen, again, with at Utah with Cody and then in his years in Seattle. So Cody Barton, for me, is the third most important guy for Washington and reaching their ceiling this fall. Now we're going to go up front. For my fourth. Now, you could say, oh, they're, they're not that important. Ryan, why do you have them at four? Well, look, it's John Allen and Deron Payne. Not saying that they aren't important, but for me, you know what you're going to get with 93 and 94 every single week. It starts with them, but when I'm sitting here saying, what is the most important guys for this? I need to see something from them. I know what I get. You, know, you guys know what you're going to get from Deron Payne and John Allen every single week. They played like all pros last year. Did they get the did they get the nod? No, because Washington's success wasn't there from a team perspective for the league to check that box and say, yeah, John Allen, all pro, Deron Payne, all pro. They were, and they played like all pros. They were dominant last year, and they've really been dominant since they've come in the league, and their ability to consistently improve and be leaders along that front four. They are flat-out studs. They are flat-out dogs, and they start everything. They are the nucleus of this defense. It's not the linebackers. It's not the corners. It's not Chase Young. It's not Montez Sweat. It is the guys in the middle and what they're able to do. They want to line up as a zero technique. They want to line up as a one, a three. They can do whatever. Whether you're asking them to stunt, twist, they can do everything. Line up on one side of the ball on the same side, do a multiplicity of things for you up front. They're athletic. They can rush the passer. They can clog gaps in the run game. And then you look at who they are, especially with John Allen's perspective and the leader that he is, you see it. 
all the time. He doesn't need to come out there and do some rah-rah speech. We've seen him do it before, but he leads with this play. And it starts with them as a nucleus. So again, not saying that they're not important, but they I know what I'm going to get. Every single week, if I'm Jack Del Rio and I'm Ron Rivera and I'm turning in my starting lineup and I'm and I have 93 and 94 as my starters up front. You know what you're going to get from them. And I expect them to, again, play like all pros moving into 2023 and the years beyond with sparkling new contracts with both of them over these last few off seasons. And then lastly, a new, a new face in Washington. And that, I'm going to stand along the front forward. It's been a big topic, right, for not just this episode, but for Washington as a whole this year because of the futures of obviously Chase and Montez and being on contract years this year. Are they going to be back? Is it going to be both? Is it going to be one of them? Is it going to be none of them? But for me, the fifth most important guy is going to be K.J. Henry, a guy that I've told you I expect to eventually evolve into edge three on this roster and push guys like Chase and Montez. They have to be pushed. I understand over the last few years of taking guys like James Smith-Williams and William Bradley King and Shaka Tony, who we will not see this year, obviously, because of the gambling suspension, and even look back to this year, taking a guy like Andre Jones out of Louisiana Lafayette in the seventh round. But you take KJ Henry with power five experience out of Clemson, a guy that was overlooked along that Clemson front seven, and you slot him in on this defense, a guy that if you want to use as a DPR, so designated pass rusher, DPR, on third downs, third and six, third and seven and longer, and get after the quarterback and ask him to pin his ears back, I'm absolutely fine with that. I'm not asking him to have six, seven sacks this year. But to be a rotational piece and to showcase the physicality that he plays with, the advanced maturity in the run game, the ability to set the edge, which he did extremely well at Clemson, he is not an extremely high-level athlete with the twitch and bend that you see from a lot of the top 100, top 120 picks. There's a reason from the league's perspective that he did fall to the fifth round. But how many years, folks, do we see guys slip into the latter portions of day three and outperform their draft slot early in their career. Last year, it was a guy like Tariq Woolen that went to Seattle and obviously was second in Defensive Player of the Year voting. Was in the fifth round. NFL got cute with him out of UTSA because he was a former wide receiver, big, tall, super athletic corner. But how was he refined as an athlete? Well, you saw it in year one. And there are, again, diamonds in the rough every single year. And for me, when I look at KJ Henry and his willingness to consistently consistently improve and work on his craft at Clemson, another guy at the Senior Bowl, and then now working into OTA's minicamp is someone that I expect to have a really nice role this year. And again, to push the guys in front of him like Chase Young and Montez Sweat because they have to be pushed. And competition is good at every single spot. And we've seen since Ron Rivera's been in town, and I respect the hell out of him for it, is to get guys that compete at every single spot. It doesn't matter if you're guys like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel, where you will, you know that you're going to start in week one. Like John Allen, Deron Payne, where you know you are going to start in week one. No matter the fact that they drafted Phil Mathis, who's going to be there this year as a second rounder in 2022, or the play that John Ridgway, excuse me, had last year as a Dallas draft pick that was then cut out of Arkansas and then came to Washington and was a really nice, really nice depth piece. It does not matter. You have to have depth. You have to have bodies in place. If knock on wood, guys are to miss time or simply 
guys don't show up. Guys don't produce at the level that you expected them to. And with KJ Henry sitting in the rearview mirror of both Chase Young and Montez Sweat and Casey Tuhill and F.A. Obata, those types of bodies and James Smith-Williams have that type of young athlete on the edge that is ready to come in and compete as a fifth rounder to where the expectations are there, but you're a day three guy. Sure, again, the expectations are there, but how high are those expectations? How lofty are those? For me personally, I'm just excited to see the kid play because I really think, guys, that he can push the individuals atop the depth chart for snaps. And I think he will do that early in his career in Washington. So that is my five most important, again, positional groups and players for Washington's defense this year. From top to bottom, Chase Young, the entire corners room, Cody Barton, really the rotation of linebackers, Deron and John Allen, Deron Payne, John Allen, excuse me, and K.J. Henry, the fifth rounder, edge rusher out of Clemson. So that is going to do it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, always appreciate your reviews, your likes, shares, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. If you don't follow me already, you can shoot me a follow on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler. All of my written work and scouting reports are continuing to be pumped at thedraftnetwork.com. Always appreciate you guys' time. Hope you guys have a great week. I will talk to you guys next Monday. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 